Peace, beautiful people. It's your guy. You already know what's happening. Anyhow, what I need you to do, and this is a reminder and a great suggestion I got from my friend Dallas. So thank you, Dallas, for this. Um, but it's just to be reminded that I need you to review and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, uh, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen. I need you to rate and review. Five stars only, baby. If it ain't five stars, keep it to yourself, okay? I ain't here to play and I ain't here to stay. However, what I also need you to do is at the end of these episodes, as I as you know, I always put a link for feedback and comments and topics, right? Suggested thoughts and ideas to make the podcast better and more focused on the community that's listening to it. So what I invite you to do is once the episode is over, as you listen, um, send a message to the All Things Eat Facebook or Instagram page. We are responsive. Uh, we respond to those and I will actually be reading some of that feedback and some of those comments um, on the podcast live in the next coming episode. So if you will rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen Hit up the All Things Eat Instagram and Facebook page, shoot us a message, leave a comment under the post for those episodes on a particular day, however it is you want to contact us, and we're going to get you heard and make sure that your thoughts and your suggestions and your comments are heard by the larger community. Peace. Peace, beautiful people. It's your guy. You already know what's going on. Um, today, this, I'm, I'm lit about this one, honestly. Um, welcome to the All Things Eat podcast, your one-stop shop for all things education, art, and technology. Um, I got my boy here, <laughs> the homie, the brother, dominant hand or dominant thought, um, as he as he refers to or people can refer to this man. Um, and, and this brother is a equity trainer, an educator, uh, community organizer, uh, overall, just a thought leader um, in the space that that he occupies. So, Dominic, what's popping? Oh, peace to the family, man. What, what's 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 going on, brother? How are you, man? How are you? Hey, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed, man. It's good. It's good to talk with you. Um, I'm definitely happy to have you on the podcast because I, I you're doing some amazing things, man. And I really want people to 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 hear you. You know what I'm saying? And be able to support you however they can. Uh, so I guess oh, I man, that's, you know that's, that's beautiful. I know enough about you. That's beautiful, you know, man, we 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 build and, and we talk. So for the people that you know might not be familiar with you, give them you know a little spill of who you are and all the things that you're involved in. Um, well, well, uh, it pretty much did a good job of introducing me, man. But <laughs> yeah, my name is Dominic Can. <laughs> yeah, my my name is Dominic Can. Um, also known as as Dominant Thought. That's that's just the name I want to stick with. I do have many other names. That people have given me, but I think dominant thought is the one that has kind of stuck with me the most and it kind of speaks on what I want to build. And it's kind of the foundational piece to like who I am and, and what I'm working towards. But as you said, man, I'm, I'm an equity trainer uh, with a company called Racial Equity Institute. You can actually go on the website and kind of check out some of the things that we do in travel nationwide to kind of bring equity and bring a new analysis to this uh, paradigm this collective consciousness of the U.S. is kind of already shifting. Mm -hmm. um, also, I'm an educator at uh, the Middle College, as you said before. Um, have done a, I've been working there for three years now. I've done amazing work working with a small group of students and, and kind of applying the things that I'm teaching to, you know, my, my audience now, to my community now. I've, I've actually started doing this in my classroom, and I think mm -hmm. it's very beautiful to see how it, I can now go out to the classroom and teach this to the community, the, the analysis, the new perspectives, the the self-transformation content that I've given to these students and have them literally not only shifting their paradigm, but literally shifting their activity. And I think that's extremely powerful because I know a lot of people 
have strived to try to change people, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't want you to, and, and my, my, my aim is that I don't want you to change someone necessarily. Um, the, 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 the idea is just to buy into the intellectual curiosity, hmm. because if you can buy into the intellectual curiosity, you won't have to change them. They'll change themselves. Right. You just have to make sure that you put yourself in a position where you can just buy into the intellectual curiosity to consider your analysis and not, you know, necessarily have them um, forced into it or buy into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but outside of that, I'm also a community organizer. I'm actually leading a, a lot of community initiatives. Um, one we're going to talk about is the Brotherhood Breakfast. Yeah, yeah. And prior to that, I do have my businesses, too, as well, which is uh, called Dominant Thought Theory. Um, and you ask questions about that. And I'll go deeper into that. But. Yeah, that's that's uh, pretty much what I do. So I have my own business in addition to being an educated community organizer and an equity trainer, man. So got a lot going on. For but, sure. you know, uh, when, you, when you're doing the work, man, and you dedicated to to a mission, to a vision and seeing your community do better, yeah. you know, um, you know, the workload is always going to be there, man. So, yeah. Sure. And I, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, you know I wanted to <laughs> definitely focus on your work in education. And before we get there, though, like, sure. how do you manage all of those various roles? I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I've struggled to do it. <laughs> so how do you how do you run the business? How do you teach? And then you teach other people how like to learn. And then you teach like, yeah, how do you yes. how do you keep your mind, um, you know, bouncing yes. between those spaces? Uh, uh, excellent question. Uh, I, I just say space, man. Um, simple and plain. Give yourself space hmm. to organize. I think a lot of people kind of jump into, I used to do it a lot when I first got into community organizing and trying to juggle multiple titles yep. or, or multiple um, positions. Um, I, I wasn't organized, you know, I just would kind of just get up and do. And I think um, that's, that's, that's really bad. If you like kind of find yourself doing that, like you, you're juggling a lot of things and like every day you're just getting up and just doing stuff. Like you're, it's like you're doing for disaster because what's going to happen is you're going to start overwhelming yourself because sure. you're not organized, right? You're going to start overbooking. You're going to start um, forgetting things. You're you're not going to be as effective communicator and you're just going to look kind of messy, right? And it's not because you're a messy person. It's just because you're so disorganized. Hmm. And so for me to keep myself together, I have like two calendars yep. and I got yep. my Google calendar online <laughs> yep. to make sure everything is in line. <laughs> you know, um, I'm a firm believer in writing stuff down you know, Erica Badu is always taught, you know, she she taught me the that that special relationship which you have with just, you know, pen and paper. So it, it does do wonders. Like you you'd be surprised just how much creativity comes out of your mind when you put that pen and paper together too. But I always make sure that I, you know, backtrack and put it on my Google calendar and also writing on another calendar, mm-hmm. you know, um, and make sure I'm always checking. So always just, you know, find space in between your activities to recollect, self-reflect to analyze yourself, do what they call a SWOT analysis, and most importantly, to write down. I always like to, you know, write things down a week ahead of time, a month ahead of time, even a few months ahead of time. There's no such thing as like super planning, tight planning, like everything doesn't go exact, but it's always good to just plan ahead, like Mm -hmm. to always have those goals in mind so you can have something to work towards, right? And it keeps you organized. And when you do that, you kind of prevent the over, overbooking, you know, overwhelming yourself and 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 not being an effective communicator because everything is laid out for you all you have to do is just do it now just execute for sure. so that's how i do it man we're yeah we're creatures of habits so you yeah. know if you create the right habits you get the right results but if you 
do the wrong things or you're disorganized, you'll create bad habits, which equals bad results. So, you know, that's how I do it, bro. Yeah. And that's, that's the truth. Cause I, I find myself like, I use my calendar, like avidly, like I use my calendar all yes. the time because <laughs> I will forget. Like I do, because in my head, I do so many things and I like got to navigate being and it's strange. I'm going to ask you about that too here soon. Um, yes. Like navigating all those different spaces. I'm like, dang, got to remember this for this. Mm-hmm. And then I got like five email addresses. Yes. Then I got like, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of stuff, man. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how yeah. to make it all mesh. Um, so in, in kind of yeah. in light of that, my question is as a organizer, educator, um, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. businessman, um, what mm-hmm. does it look like? For you to like, do you ever feel like when you're a teacher, you're not a business person at the same time? Like, do you compartmentalize all the things that you are Mm -hmm. or do you, Mm -hmm. you know, do you walk into all these spaces knowing that all those things are one and the same? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a that's a good question. So I believe that whatever you do, you do create the culture. Mm -hmm. Right. So. You know, as a teacher, you know, I don't look at my students as clients. Right. Yeah. And even with my clients, I don't look at my client. You know, I don't I don't look at um, I, I don't look at my students as clients and I, I treat my clients like my students. Right. So everything that I do, I try to create um, the environment that I would like to see people come into and, and feel value because business to me is just nothing more than adding value. What I do is just add value. Right. Mm -hmm. Rather I'm selling something, rather I'm marketing something, rather I'm making a business deal. The main objective is how do I add value to this person, to this group of people's life? Right. And so that's how I kind of manage everything. I always keep that in my mind. Right. You know, if it has to be a business discussion, if I'm I'm in a position where it's like, okay, I know I got to have this beating business meeting. That's a good thing about being organized is because when you organize, you have to understand and ask yourself these questions. Okay. What's the point of this meeting? What's the what's the objective of this meeting, right? If I'm going to the classroom, what's the objective of what I'm teaching, right? Mm-hmm. What's the objective of this business meeting, right? Yep. And then once you understand the objective, you can be able to create the atmosphere that you want. So that that's how I do it, man. So for some business meetings, of course, you, you have to handle business the way you handle business, yep. right? But when I'm in the classroom, it's like, okay, um, to get everyone to see the value of what I'm trying to bring to them, what I'm trying to present to them, I got to add value, right? So that yep. requires energy, it requires organization, and it requires flow, right? engaging with people and getting them involved in what I'm, you know, what I'm presenting. And so that's what, that's, that's, that's what I do, man. And sometimes it just always look the same, man. It's just really yep. based upon your mindset, how organized you are and the audience that you're talking to. For sure. That's good value. That's, that's yeah. good, valuable information to have. And I'm, I'm going to put some of those things into practice myself. <laughs> look, I'm, I'm working yeah, on man. it. So just hold me accountable. <laughs> Yeah. So um, yeah, and, and it's, it's not as simple though, but it's 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 something. <laughs> yeah, it's a process. Um, so speaking mm-hmm. of that, um, when you when you um, do your your racial equity consulting, um, tell me mm-hmm. a little bit about that and kind of what that looks like for you. Oh yeah, so I can't get into the depth because I yeah, don't want to, you know, um, you know, you know, take away <laughs> yeah. from what's going on. But but we we you know. We, essentially what we do is that we just analyze structural racism. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't focus on like the individual acts of meanness, like, you know, the the overt or the personal acts of discrimination. No, we, we look at we look at systems and institutions. Right. And we we analyze institutions and we analyze systems. And the question we ask ourselves is, you know, what's going on? Like what's what is the racial disparity? First of all, like what is it? How do we define it? What does it look like? 
how do we get to that point and why hmm. do we have racial disparities in the first place? And that's literally the crust of our work. And I have yeah. to leave it there because I can't yeah. go. Yeah. And, and, I, and look, people are going to have to, they're going to have to tap in with you and, and, and hit you up and see what yeah. to get yeah. the deep, the deep, deep details. Cause I know that work is yes. definitely huge and, and could, we could have a whole like day long conversation about just that. Yeah. So we don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so I guess. In, yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. But, but, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but but I, I will. But I will. But I, no. But I will say this. What we do is that I realize that most people don't know how to talk about it, mm -hmm. and the reason why we don't know how to talk about it is because we haven't really been in a space where we can have an analysis. So we provide that analysis so people can learn how to talk about it on a structural level, right. and they can identify and see through multiple lenses. So mm -hmm. that's that. All right, now I'm done. Yeah. that's it right there. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So <laughs> moving on from REI, yeah. uh, like I said, we'll talk about. We can talk about that another time. Um, but as a teacher, Absolutely. right, um, working in a, mm -hmm. a institution through like the middle college, um, how does that play into uh, like having that vision and understanding how these systems work? How does that play into your education and meeting these students, you know, through um, all of those things when they got into the place where now they're in like early college, essentially, um, is where students can basically take uh, college courses mm -hmm. and have an associates when they graduate high school. I think that's basically how it works. But yeah. Um, how does that play into your education and your style of reaching the students, um, knowing all those things about how systems work? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, one thing I can appreciate about, appreciate about um, the Racial Equity Institute REI is that they've taught me how to develop an analysis. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to necessarily always be about racial equity. It can literally be about anything, yep. right? As long as you have you know, the information organized, the resources organized, and you can show people um, another path or a way that they can actually use that analysis in their day-to-day -day life. And that's what I do with my students, man. All I'm doing is teaching my students how to develop an analysis about the structure reality they're going to enter into. Mm -hmm. And to also be aware of and always to um, acknowledge and take out the time to research how our economy is evolving, right? So mm -hmm. we're getting into a tech world, right? Yep. Where everything can be done literally with a cell phone, right? So within the analysis that I have, I expose them to that, inform them about that because they're so young, they're so open-minded, they ask so many questions, they're so intellectually curious. And with that curiosity, now I can kind of shape it a little bit and direct them towards how they can apply this analysis with solution-based um initiatives that they can use with this new age of technology mm -hmm. so now they can work towards okay these are the systemic issues right now we can work on the blueprint and the way that we work on the blueprint is to use the resources that we have to our disposal like our cell phones yep. right because this generation man i mean they can literally pull up anything with 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 a google you know with a google app now yep. because it's just at their disposal so i'm just showing them you know it's, it's not again not changing them you know, getting them intellectually curious to do the work themselves, mm -hmm. right? So just showing them, like, look, this information is at your disposal. I just organized this analysis, but now I'm going to show you how to organize it and how you can use your phone to better um, prepare yourself for the real world, right? Yep. Rather they're, you know, applying for a job or they're going to college. And um, what the analysis does is that it gives them a full spectrum of what type of decisions that they can make and what places they feel like they can go to actually make some real concrete changes. Hmm. 
For sure. And I think yeah. with my work with youth, um, working in like a middle school, uh, after school tutoring program, like last year, I was one thing that I did mm-hmm. um, and kind of did a mentor program mm-hmm. there too. And I always worry about like mm-hmm. access, right? We always hear this word about yes. um, the lack of access, you know, of students of color or marginalized groups yes. and using uh, technology, as you know, technology is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, and you being an mm-hmm. educator, you see how it affects students. But how do we make or what do you foresee like being a, mm-hmm. a way to make the education and the consciousness and the analysis of, mm-hmm. of these things like accessible for students at any level? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for us who. Because um, I think a lot of us don't know that there are still students in the world who don't have access to Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm who don't have a cell phone, who don't have a laptop, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people don't know that that's still occurring in our educational system. So I think what should happen is that, I mean, we, we need to, you know, kind of form teams, right? Mm-hmm. People who do have the time, the analysis, and the resources to do some outreach to get to those students um, at, at, a, at a very... Um, efficient rate and I, the reason why i say efficient because i know it's not something that happens overnight yeah. and i mean it's something that happens like instantly it, happens, it has something that has to happen overnight and um I, I think it can happen too and i think what's what goes on is that after that team comes together and they kind of can have an announcement and identify the students who don't have access to wi-fi who don't have access to technology and resources we can link them up with other um, programs that do offer that like for instance we have what technology, uh, technology for, the future. for the future absolutely yeah, yeah, technology for the future, which is amazing. I mean, you can buy, you know, MacBook relatively uh, cheap. You can buy a computer in general relatively cheap. Yeah. And, you know, just linking those those uh, students, those young minds, that potential with programs like that, all we need is an intermediate group to be able to make that linkage, right? right? And to be able to provide the funding to get them access to those resources. I think that can be a revolutionary process mm-hmm. because what we can do now is that as educators, because we have an analysis on how to use technology to advance one's education, to, to let them you know, now become self-educated and not only that, but to create businesses or to manifest their ideas mm-hmm. through a technology age because all you need now is really to, to start a business man all you need is a good idea a good business plan a product to sell and social media yep. right and you're in business right and, and kind of showing them how they can become that and use that to help bring some type of opportunities to themselves would be extremely powerful so mm-hmm. what that looks like is just creating an intermediate group to connect you know young people who do not have access to technology nor the analysis with organizations that provide those resources and of course the intermediate group which should be educators that know what's going on and know the issue and is able to articulate that to the group that to the young people who don't have access to that technology mm-hmm. and to get them that technology and then show them what they can do to use that technology and then have a follow-up program with them right. to see how they're doing right that's a gym yeah. that's a gym that's that's the master plan so so i guess having you having this and you know how i perceive you man you know i see you as one of those people that are going to be like not going to be i apologize are and is like I, and a legendary type of person currently right like you're a visionary you're like a dreamer and a doer at the same time so my question i guess is like what is all of it for Right. So you 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 have the education background, you you've you've studied, you've done amazing things with education for yourself. 
um, and and mm-hmm. still, you know, being a lifelong learner. Some people say, like, in order mm-hmm. to better communities and better people around you, like, what is all of the the work that you're doing for? Like, what what's the outcome? I'm out. The outcome is that I want I want the next generation to excel at a level that we can't reach. That's the that's the that's the outcome because when I think about my ancestors and the things that they were fighting for, I'm talking about people in the civil rights movement, I'm talking about people who were part of the anti Jim Crow movement, people who were part of the anti slavery movement, right? The, the these these individuals that we do not know, some we do know and some we don't know, mm-hmm. who literally fought because they had that vision that the next generation will have a better and more that I'm gonna get emotional, man. So the next generation can can have a, a better tomorrow, to have a, a, a better way of looking at their lives and to have pride that there was someone that literally fought for them so that they can be and reach their full potential. So they can just become, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I do it for, because I feel like this is an evolutionary process. Like I do this because I want to inspire a young person, right? Or even an older person, someone my age, right? That that says, you know what, Dom is doing it. I can do it too. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be like him to do it because I'm unique, right? I'm unique. You know, I'm put here for a reason, you know, and and, and I have a purpose, right? And so what what I feel like you're doing it too. This podcast is a is it, you know, it, it is it's literally a manifest. It's a blessing, right? Because it shows the community that we're really doing it. Mm-hmm. All we did was make a decision. All you have to do is make a decision and it can happen for you. Right. And so that's what I do it for. I want to do it because I know uh, the next generation is looking at us and they're, and they're seeing, can they do it? Right. Hmm. Can they reach their full potential? Is there something in them that's special? And what I'm doing is I want to do it to let them know that, yes, yeah, when I go to them, like, yes, you don't have to be like me because you're better than me. Hmm. Right. Because you already see what I'm doing. You see my mistakes. Right. You see my limitations and you can move past that and you can shift the paradigm to a whole nother level. Right. So that's what I do it for is because I'm setting the trend. Sure. You're setting the trend. People listening to this podcast and who are doing the work are setting the trend for the next generation to do better. You know, so we're setting up a bar that I want someone else to excel. Hmm. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. That is the yeah. point. <laughs> that is definitely the point. Um, so, so building on that, I don't know, man, I feel like you got a mic drop, um, <laughs> uh, building on that, you know, like, so what are some of the, you know, projects you're working on now, um, that that's kind of setting that mm-hmm. pace and setting that tone. What are some of the things you're doing now, um, that we can kind of get behind and follow? Uh, yeah. So the, the main project I'm working on now is the brotherhood breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would just read quickly. I mean, the, the brotherhood breakfast initiative, it is a uh, intellectual think tank for black men of all generations and ethnicities to discuss and examine how we've been represented culturally, economically, and politically. You know, the community brotherhood, you know, our primary objective is to form an analysis on the conditions of black men in the U.S. and even the issues that's, that's plaguing the African-American community. But it's, it's much more than just us coming together as an intellectual think tank it's a healing space Mm -hmm. because you know black men we're we're in a very precarious situation and i want you know both 
old and young men to come together in a space where they can fully express themselves as human beings to deal with whatever trauma they experience, to form a system of accountability for the inappropriate behaviors that they've done in the past and that they're doing now that occurs within our community. And, and, and lastly, to find closure in a society that stigmatized them as either objects of violence, hypersexual deviance, lazy adults, hyper-aggressive leaders, or inadequate life partners, hmm. right? The Brotherhood of Breakfast is, is also, it's a launching pad for future programs in the Greensboro community. And even out abroad, I wanna reach out to Durham and Charlotte and, and combine us together, because I know that there's more men doing this work right. that I've met and haven't met. And I know that we all have the same goals and ambitions. And I, you know, I want these programs to, to include, but you know, not be limited to, you know, youth summer programs and academies, you know, mm-hmm. get more into Afrotech like we were talking about earlier. Yep. If people aren't really into technology, we can do vocational skills training, entrepreneurship workshops, even basic community organizing towards racial equity and equity in general, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and creating a more even playing field for everyone. And essentially, I don't even want to limit it to black men. I focus on black men because we're a very vulnerable community right. and that's going to be another podcast for today and I can <laughs> right. make my point. <laughs> Um, right. with, with research and all that, but we're a very vulnerable community. So I want to focus on them brothers and allow them to heal themselves. You know, I'm reading a lot of bell hooks and like just the lack of healing and the lack of love that our brothers are experiencing is the reason why we're creating these self-destructive behaviors now. So that that's what the brotherhood breakfast is. It's literally a healing space and healing is not feminine brothers. <laughs> you know, yeah. healing is essential to your humanity. And so that's what the Brotherhood Breakfast is. And so um, once I get black men on the roll, once we get some unity together, once we get ourselves picked up, you know, and, and once we have that like knowledge itself, that true knowledge itself, that, that, that self-confidence, that ability to say that I'm human, I'm man and I'm human, and I want to do and, and, and be, I want to be responsible, I want to be accountable. Most importantly, I want to be a co-creator, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be a responsible human being. And once we get that together, I feel like we can open it up and build with other men who who also are suffering from, you know, uh, you know, this 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 um, this white patriarchal culture that we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, because I feel like it's destructive towards all men because of just the 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 just the root, the the destructive and violent root that it has in our community. So that's one project that I'm working on. But yeah, I, I got kind of passionate there. But the Brotherhood Breakfast, man, is 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 that bro? I, I wanted yeah. to I wanted to to be a call of action to what black men have been uh needing since um the beginning of time for sure and you know i'm i'm, I'm hella excited about it too um just <laughs> yeah. just just watching and kind of being able to uh learn uh and and kind of learn to lead even from you is is, is impactful for me um to see that happening mm-hmm. to see that shift and be around brothers that are you know concerned yeah. about um and passionate about like brotherhood and how that looks and what that's going to be like so I'm definitely excited to Absolutely. see that build. Um, and that kind of ties into um, a lot of what you said. Like I think about um, healing spaces, right? Like healing spaces for black men yeah. to come and talk and express and feel and deal and then heal these things. Yes. It's like yes. is yes. a necessary space to have. Um, I know what that feels like to not feel that way. You know what I'm saying? To feel as if you don't mm-hmm. have a space like that um, and you can't do it with, with yes. people you know or friends or family yes. because of just how, you know, socialization works. Um, but yeah. I said all that to say, like, I think about yeah. you in terms of the people that are doing the work, right. And, and, 
as you know, um, I kind of made a mention to you that I wanted to talk a little bit about this. Um, and I know we kind of have like a few minutes, it's like 26 minutes almost, but um, just okay. thoughts about like Nipsey Hustle, right? Like we see this brother mm-hmm. doing um, what I mm-hmm. would call or what we would call amazing work, activist work, like organizing, yeah. um, doing things for youth, for the community and kind of staying where he was to make sure like, hey, if anybody's going to do this, it's going to be us and it's going to be for the people. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I guess my thought is, or my question for you is, I guess as seeing seeing a brother like that do the things that he did um, mm-hmm. and still kind of fall victim to uh, the systems that are in place that continue to create violence between black men very often, um, kind of what are some of your reflections on that, having the analysis that you have of, of such things? Uh, yeah, that's, that's deep, man. Um, <laughs> I, I was trying to <laughs> avoid Nipsey because um, I know a lot of people, you know, because a lot of people really have a lot to say. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. And, and, you, and, and this is the thing. You know, cool thing about this. You, can, you don't <laughs> yeah. have to say anything if you don't want. If you don't want to say anything yeah. to say, you know, I'll pass on that. Yeah. And then maybe we can talk yeah, about it yeah. offline, off the podcast. That, that can work, too. I'll I tell you what, I'll say this. I'm going to talk about the concept you brought up, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to necessarily talk about Nipsey. I, I want I want to say this about Nipsey. I consider all perspectives, not because I have an analysis, it because I know what it feels like when you lose someone that's dear to you. Mm-hmm. And that's from s- people who've known him personally and people who've been influenced by him. Right. So it's a, it's a coping mechanism for us to try to grieve and deal with and make sense mm-hmm. because death in our community, man, is is so normalized, right? And it's I think it's just it's just kind of like a part of the African American experience. I mean, look mm-hmm. throughout history, it's like death is like literally that shadow yeah. that's haunting us a lot. Yeah, you know, we 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 experience it so differently in this country, man, on a historical level, even even on a cultural level now. And uh, even in today's time now, and so I understand why people would have something to say, or they would kind of, you know, splurge out and make comments or assumptions about what happened to Nipsey and it and this whole situation, man. I just personally just I just want to send my condolences and my energy to the family of Nipsey Hussle, to Lauren London, to Nipsey's daughter, and to everyone in LA that's you no know, um been you know tremendously affected by this um and, and to everyone that's been tremendously affected by this man I, I just want to let people know man i mean it's okay bro like we, we lost a soldier bro you know how he died who this guy was how he got in the mix of it you know why he made that confrontation you know i just want to focus on you know we, we lost a dear brother of ours in our community it was a hit we took yeah for you sure. know but he left behind something that i feel like should motivate us to continue to go you know he said you know life is not a race it's a marathon you know so his legacy will continue to move on all we got to do is just pick up the pace man and all we got to do is just you know pick up where he left off and continue moving so everything that i'm doing man i've been doing it not only for the commemoration of my ancestors but commemorations of brother like nipsey who literally took his time and build himself to become the man that he is today. And he still had time to grow. I was listening to your podcast. He still had time to grow. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and unfortunately he got cut off. But you know what? We we have enough of Nipsey to where that energy is going to continue to to um, reincarnate and manifest into this world today until we reach until we reach that 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 um that final uphill that 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 final mission right and and continue to pass on that legacy man so you know nipsey's legacy it, it is not dead man he may be gone physically man but his spirit his energy will continue to live with us forever because he left an imprint especially within this generation within this moment right now True. and so um that, that's my thought on nipsey's now I can talk about the concept on the on the you know the black masculinity and the and the violence that we experience in our community. Now I can talk on that. So, um, but I, I did want to leave that um, out there just to let everyone know I don't have any opinions about Nipsey. The fact that you know I do send my condolences and um, I, I just hope that we can see this loss as a win for us and continue to use the energy that he left behind to create something more to create what he's been the message that he's been putting out. Let us, let us make that into a material reality and rebuild our communities. Yeah. <clears throat> so, all right. So uh, black masculinity, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, and I'm not going to go like, again, not go too deep on right. that. Um, right. I, I think, I think the aspect of black manhood, black masculinity and violence, man, I think um, it, it goes back again. It can be for another podcast, but there's a historical, legacy behind the violence that black men have been enduring in this country mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think what's happened is that um brothers out here traumatized man for sure they are straight up rather they game banging rather they locked up rather they in their house with their parents right in school it's just you know rather they're with their peers it's like we are traumatized man when I look at our culture, when I look at American culture, when I look at our subculture, man, it's really based upon violence. It's like violence is like second nature to us, yep. you know? And I, and I see that so pervasive. It's almost like breathing air. It's like we, we have to, you know, do we do, do things and it manifests so differently, you know, like talking tough. Yeah. You know, talk, you know, talking tough, you know, the walk. Um you know, the gaze sometimes, you know, this, this unspeakable anger that we're holding on to. It's like, it's just, it's just in us, man, because black men are very vulnerable. You know, we're very vulnerable in, in, in America. You know, yeah. I never met a group of men who like at one minute can li- really lose control of their life. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, I was reading today. I think it was, um, I think it was uh, Adrian Peterson, um, Andrew Peterson. I got to go back and look or Orlando Peterson mm-hmm. who wrote about this concept mm-hmm. called social death. You know, how how black men, we kind of live in this society where we've been so shut off from our humanity or shut off from the things that make us feel like we're free or human that we we kind of perform a different self. Hmm. Right. We, we go out in the world and we perform and and, act, you know, play an actor, a social actor, someone that we're really not. Mm-hmm that we call, you know, quote unquote masculinity. Right. Or, or, you know, quote unquote, you know, the black male figure. Right. Right. And, and what that does is that that immediately puts us in a social death because what that cuts us off from is, is this ability to be human. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it can be systemic, right. It can not having that job or um, not pursuing education or even, you know, I'm reading about, you know, the, you know, black men being robbed of critical thinking at a young age, like sure. having low, yep 
reading proficiencies and yep. and and um not not be able to pass like the third and second grade even myself i got held back in second grade right so i'm already being funneled into that that pipeline yep. you know putting in remedial classes you know special education classes those are funnels right yeah to being to dropping out to giving up yep right feeling inadequate you know people calling you stupid right and yep. so you you feel like well you know the hell with this you drop out and you know when you drop out what do you do you know you go to the streets right you get involved in in activities that lead to crime violence incarceration or, or even death right yeah and you know even and we see this happening not just on that level but also happens even when brothers move up yeah. like brothers getting phds and not getting jobs right yep. um you know brothers brothers out here getting degrees or they're going out there hustling and they're not hitting their pinnacles or hitting their goals and we live in a patriarchal structure that says that black men are supposed to be what breadwinners right supposed to be supposed to be um yep supposed to be right supposed to be doing a certain thing when we know historically they've been all, always denied that because they've always had to deal with systemic barriers yep. but now you know when they go out and try to get a job and they don't get it right like what does it say about them mm -hmm. right you can't get a job you know what does that do to you psychologically like you feel like you can't provide yeah you feel like you can't give you feel like you can't co-create right so it's mm -hmm. like you got to find other things that give you some type of control so right. a lot of that is violence yep a lot of that is sex right yep. um and, and a lot of that is um, you know, this assertion, like perform itself, like yep. trying to, you know, buy into material things that give you status quo. Yep. Right. So all of this is just black men being denied access to their humanity. Mm -hmm. And so we That's see a lot of that happening. Right. And, and, and so it's, and it's, and it's very uh, pervasive. And so when I see brothers being violent towards other brothers, I definitely look at the environment and look at their personal background right. to see like, how did you get to this point? You know what I'm saying? Like, what learned behaviors have you adopted and you've been socialized into to get you to that point? Whereas, like, you, like, dude, you violent, like, you angry, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you always talking smack, you always talking tough, you always challenging people. You know what I'm saying? You always, you jealous. You know what I'm saying? You know, jealousy, you know, jealousy comes from comparing yourself yep. to somebody else based upon what they got and that you don't have, mm -hmm. right? Jealousy, it's, it's a it's a very it's like a it's very low vibrational energy, man. So you see, you know, brothers getting jealous of other brothers because they may have something because they worked for it and this brother didn't get it and he's mad about that. Like it's it's like a scarcity mindset. So brothers have been kind of pushed into and crafted into a scarcity mindset. And we mm -hmm. see that happening, man. You know, um and I think the violence is kind of it's going down a lot. Like when I look at the data with, with gang wars in LA yeah. and Chicago, it's like it's going down. Yeah. You know, and obviously there's been a response to that, but it's still happening in our communities mm -hmm. and it's done very silently. You know, I mean, just just the black women that come up to me and talk about how they've had to endure violence from brothers. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we you go and you check some of these brothers, too, because, you know, some of them personally. And then when you talk to them, you realize that they've been abused. Yeah. Right. That they've been traumatized with poverty. Right. They've been traumatized with. Um, not being called, you know, be, being bullied and not being called a man. You know, they've been mm -hmm. traumatized because they've been trying to apply for a job, but it seems like everyone's turning them down, right? Saying that they already have someone to fill the position or, you know, they give them the job and then the next minute they renege on them. Like, and it's like brothers are really stressed out. Like, yeah. it's like racial battle fatigue, right? It's a concept created by a black man. A black scholar is called racial battle fatigue. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, black men constantly trying to figure out where they fit in. Yeah. 
in a very racist and gender society, right? Yeah. Uh, again, another podcast. Talk about the gender identity. A, another podcast for another day. Yes, but absolutely. it's just like you know, we, we live in this society, and, and and what it does is that I feel like brothers are dealing with some pressure that they can't really articulate. Mm-hmm that they're suppressing, right? It's like they can't articulate it. They're feeling angry. They're feeling inadequate. They're feeling disempowered and they're suppressing it. Yep. They're not talking about it. Right. And when they not, when they suppress it, they got to find other ways to release it. And that can lead to drugs yep. that can lead to, you know, getting into activities that involve violence just to release that anger. It can be, you know, taking it back home. Your girl, you beating your wife. Right. Or you can be abusing your kids. Right. Yep. Or, or you can just commit a crime. It's like, you know, so brothers don't have a space to really release that energy and mm-hmm. deal with the social ills that are that are ripping their humanity. And so we see a lot of that happening. Man. Yep. And it's a it's a serious thing. When you really talk to these brothers and break them down, you realize that, damn, these brothers need to heal. Like they're yep. going to do some stuff for real. Yep. For sure. You know, and another thing that was. Yeah. And another thing that was getting me too. you know, talking about like rape culture. I didn't realize that a, a lot of brothers that idolize women objectify women because you know i was reading bell hooks mm-hmm. um we so cool she's a great scholar i yeah. just ordered her another book too yep. called yep. the will of the change talking about black men and, and um uh masculinity and, and love yep i just put a flame and, uh, onto know, that but, but are we real cool I, I just read that about a month ago and i'm still thinking yeah. about it yeah 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 there's another book i encourage people to get it it's called um the man not by uh dr tommy curry the man not he gives you a really he's a he's a, a professor of philosophy at mm-hmm. Texas A&M and he gives you just a real um sophisticated analysis on the race and gender dynamics and he takes it all the way back to 1865 okay you know the 15th amendment when black men were given the right to vote and he is you know he, he go down and break that down but you know um outside of him you know bell hooks is the only woman that really talked about the the um Affects the patriarch society and how yeah. this kind of took men away from their human house really damaged them, right? Like seriously damaged them. Like brothers are like, you know, like really suffering. And in addition to that, you know, a lot of brothers are kind of taking in um, uh, what, what we call like feminine personality disorder, where you know single mothers are raising men to the best of their ability, but because they um, are are in a, a scarcity culture like mm-hmm. the, you know black women poor black women in particular are raised in a scarcity culture it's a very emotional culture right yeah. it puts you in survival mode so you have brothers thinking that now and they're adopting it's called feminine personality um disorder and this isn't to say that you know femininity doesn't really have a gender right so it's right. not specific towards a woman or a man but it's like a survival mechanism right mm-hmm. it's an emotional mechanism and you see that a lot when brothers get violent they get real emotional like when yeah. brothers get you know when they get tense, you know, when they when they act out or they do certain things, they're very emotional. They're yeah. like in an emotional standpoint. They're not thinking logically. Yeah. And so we see that happening. So you know what I what I and what I was learning is that, um, because I've been kind of rambling a little bit, but I'm going talking about objectifying women. You know, I didn't know that the majority of brothers who be like over, you know, objectifying women, mm-hmm. over sexing women, outside of being socialized to do that, I realized that a lot of brothers from what I've been reading, what I've been studying is that they've been introduced to sex at a very young age. Absolutely. Right. Rather than being molested or they've been looking at, you know, sexual content like pornography or anything like that. And what's happening is that they're starting to make sense out of that with their brains because their mind is still developing and trying Mm -hmm. to make sense out of it. At first it's like, what is that? And then second, then then after a while they're starting to, you know, look at themselves, you know, look at their bodies and realize that, oh, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And so it's just like a, a sense of, 
uh, objectifying their own bodies and thinking that that's what they're supposed to do For sure. to uh, a woman, which is another object, and you know, to to kind of fulfill in their minds pleasure or in their minds um, uh, uh, some type of connectivity to a woman because that's what they think a woman wants. Yep. So yeah. Hey, look, bro. Yeah, man. Look, that's look. <laughs> hey, the Brotherhood <laughs> Breakfast player. Hey, the Brotherhood Breakfast. That's what we on, and we go, and that's what we here for. And that's this. This is why you are the chosen one to make this all happen. Everything you just said, bro, yeah. is is what needs to be said. And and I completely am grateful that we reconnected to make this thing happen. Um, Oh yeah! Thank look, you. so before I look, this is what we gonna have to do, bro. One day, I'm, I'm, we gonna put up a master class online, cause and you gonna run it, and you gonna teach the people all they need to know. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna show you the tools. I know what to do to put you, get you a, get you a master class online, bro. Look, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you the strategy, and we can talk about it, and then you do what you gotta do. But you are all, are all hands down educator, bro. Period. <laughs> you oh, are man. literally appreciate, a professor you, of, of, of the words that need to be spoken. <laughs> you dig it? So, look, tell the people where yeah. they can find you, man, how they can connect with you, how they can build with you, all yeah. those things before we go. Absolutely. Um. So, I mean, you, you can follow me on, on social media, of course, uh, Dominant Thought on um, IG or Instagram is Dominant Thought. Um, on Facebook, it's my name, Dominic Han. You can also follow me on Facebook. Um, you know, for personal info and all of that, um, you can just get on my my email. If you want to personally email me about some content or some references or to connect with me, my email is dominantthoughtx at gmail.com. Dominantthoughtx at gmail.com. And, and I will say this, came before before I get off, man. Yes. Um, I'm not the end-all the and be-all to this analysis. I'm still developing, but I've been yeah. studying this thing for seven years. So I've been, I've been looking at this thing for seven years. I left out a whole lot just due to time, but this thing really does go deep. And I think hopefully by the time that brothers hear my analysis, they don't feel less than a man. Hopefully it will empower them. Yeah. But to help them to figure out, they got to figure out, that in order for them to feel that empowerment, they got to figure out what happened to them, man. Mm. And so I appreciate you giving me the platform, brother. You a genius, man. I just want to say this. Ain't no, you bro. are a genius, man. <laughs> no. The people that you put on this, like, you know, this is a good podcast. Yeah. All things, like, everyone, please get on this podcast. Please listen to this, man. He is literally creating a wave. Like, he's, he's just like a tidal wave about to happen right now <laughs> in North Carolina. Yeah. And this dude is putting on people who are really talking about some tough subjects. So I appreciate what you're doing, brother. Keep pushing it. You know I got your back. I got your support. It doesn't matter what it is because um, you've been supporting me since day one. You've been helping me with my brand and my business. And so I I just want to just extend that thanks. um, And and whatever you need, brother, I got your back, man. Hey, for sure, bro. It's all love. You already know. You already know. So, yes, yeah, sir. man, thank you again, bro. Um, I know everybody's going to enjoy this. So I'll um, <laughs> I'll connect with you and let you know about release time and all that good stuff. Um, right. But thank oh, you, brother. Oh, yes. Oh, consultant business. If you want to get in contact with me, please hit my email. I do have a consultant business that's out there, the Dominant Thought Theory. Uh, all the information will be on there. Just uh, give me a holler, man. Boom. There it is. And I'm going yeah. uh, yeah, to put all that in the description of the episode so everybody can tap right into Beautiful. you already. Beautiful, beautiful, my boy. Beautiful. Hey, I All appreciate right, it, brother. You peace. We'll we'll, we'll talk love, soon, man. We we'll love and care. Peace, bro. Absolutely, peace.